So anybody who knows me shouldn't be surprised that this we're doing a golf movie today. But hey, that scene was so nice. We're gonna watch it again. <laughs> I've watched this movie a bunch this past few weeks, but it's more than that. Golf is the backdrop of the movie, but it's so much more than that. We're gonna be getting into that here in a little bit. You know, but the, it was first started out as a book. The book was written by David Cook. David Cook is is, is a Christian pastor who really loves golf, and he kind of wrote this whole story about the redemption of Jesus through this golf movie. So we're going to get more into that. But Luke Chisholm, who you saw there, was an up-and-coming professional golfer. He dominated on the amateur circuit, and he made to the move to the show. You know, he made it to the professional level. He was in the lead on the last day, on the last hole in his home state of Texas. All that hard work and sacrifice for many, many years was about to pay off. And then it happened. A bad break here, a bad decision there, and he gets a 14. A dream turned into a nightmare in a matter of moments. A lifetime of desire, work, and sacrifice, seemingly all for naught. Luke does the only thing he can think of at the time. He runs. He gets into his car and he drives away. Basically, he quits life. He gets out of the game. How can a game have such an effect on man's soul? The way I see it, how can it not? You don't choose the game, it chooses you. And when it does, life and golf become forever connected. That's how it was for a young man named Luke Chisholm. Life was going just the way you thought it should go, right? It was going just the way you wanted. You had a great job. You had that nice house. Everything seemed to be going perfectly. You worked hard your whole life, and you sacrificed, and that work was about to pay off. The result that you were desiring was right there in front of you for the taking. And then it happened. A bad break here, a bad decision there, and boom. A 14. Now in what seems like an instant, you are on the run. 
For very real reasons, you have taken yourself out of the game and you are sitting on the sidelines of life. It is okay for a while. We have all done it at some point in our journey. It is a natural response to a traumatic event. In a way, it is a form of protection to cut and run. It is like that person who got into a nest of bees as a child. When they, say, when they see bees later as an adult, they run. They don't even mess around with it. Getting out of the game to lick your wounds, to learn from your mistakes, and to recover emotionally is perfectly okay and perfectly natural. It is not okay to stay out of the game and keep running. We are not meant to be consistently running and consistently avoiding life. We need to get up, dust off, and get back in the game. I believe there are many of us in this room right now this morning who are still running. But I want to let you know that what has happened to you is not an accident. It is also not an accident that you are sitting in this place at this time, listening to this message. I have a distinct feeling that you are very tired of running and very tired of avoiding life. Something deep down inside of you is telling you that it is time to get back into the game. The question that you're wondering now is, how do I do that? I've been out of it for so long. How do I get back into the game? I didn't see where it went. You hooked it. You got to watch your right hand. Let it release. Don't flip it. Dad, it's getting dark. I can see just fine. Oh, no, that's where we started here. One more good one. Come on, now. There you are. Tough day, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I've had better. Yeah, well. Saw you on TV. Gotta say, it was painful to watch. Try living it. Believe it or not, I have. I believe it. I snooped around in your study. Yeah. Well, I, I chased the tour for a while. Had my ups and downs. You want an observation? You were playing from back here. Tournament golf has to be played in front of you where the target is. That's a new one. You have the mechanics, you just don't know what it means to play the game in front of the ball. I'm debating on picking up a club ever again. Well, I have a proposition for you. Spend seven days with me in Utopia. You'll find your game. Seven days. I don't know. Utopia is actually a real place down by San Antonio. So it actually exists. I don't have seven days this morning. I mean, I, I do, but you guys wouldn't want to sit here for that long. But if you give me about the next 30 minutes, I'm going to give you some steps to get you off the sideline and get you back into the game. Step number one, like they talked about here, live in the present and focus on the future. 
Live in the present. Focus on the future. Johnny tells Luke that golf must be played ahead of you. The same thing can be said about our life. Life only works when we are focused on what's currently going on in our lives. It is very difficult to move forward if you are consistently and constantly looking backwards. You tend to go in the direction in which you are focused. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, when's the last time you've heard some Longfellow, said it so eloquently, in the world's bread field of battle, in the bayou, the bivouac of life, Be not like dumb, driven cattle. Be a hero in the strife. Trust no future, however pleasant. Let the dead past bury its dead. Act in the living present. Heart within and God ahead. You have to trust that God is in charge of your future. And you have to believe thoroughly that he has taken care of your past. When we constantly focus on the past, we're telling God, we don't believe God that you've taken care of this. So I have to constantly be looking at it. To move forward, to be able to trust and move, you have to believe that God is taking care of the past. And then concentrate on what's ahead of you. As you focus on the failures and struggles of the past, fear begins to build and reign in your life. As the fear builds, builds, the what-ifs begin to flood your mind. What if it happens again? What if I disappoint somebody? What if I can't be where I was? What if, what if, what if? The what ifs are what keep you on the sidelines. If I step on the field, what if this happens? The game of life is played in the field, not on the sidelines watching. Paul puts it this way in Philippians. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have attained this. Instead, I am single-minded Forgetting the things that are behind and reaching out for the things that are ahead. That's Philippians 3.13. We must all look ahead. We must do life from out in front of us. We must take hold of each day and live it to the fullest. If we don't, we are going to miss life and it is going to pass us by. It's going to be one of those you blink moments like what happened to the last 15 years of my life? Where did it go? Because you weren't focused on life. You were focused on all the other stuff around it. God has prepared you and he has prepared me for this day. He has positioned you in your situation at this time for Jesus to be glorified and for him to be magnified. Let go of your past failures. Praise Jesus that he has forgotten them. And live in the present. You never know. You just may discover that those past failures have you perfectly prepared for a present day victory. Get up, dust yourself off, and get back in the game. game, son. You could have told me you owned this place. Well, you could have told me what really happened to your putter. What made you want to build a golf course out here? Well, originally I moved here to get away from the game, but easier said than done, I guess. So you quit the tour. Well, the game just wasn't a good fit for me anymore, yeah. 
Okay, let's 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 get started. I want to see you hit some. All right. Let's see you swing. Come on. Yeah, these are a little better. Yep. Why do you grip the club that way? I don't know. It just feels good. Well, that's the wrong answer. Now, uh, let's start from scratch, all right? I need to know why you do the things you do. Like uh, the foundation for your swing, from the grip to the follow-through. Now, go think about it and write it down. The first step in finding a good game is to find some conviction. You got that? Johnny asks Luke to evaluate everything that he does. He wants him to not only look at the what's of his life, but the why's as well. Luke must look at what motivates him and what drives him to be the way that he is. He has to determine what he believes to be true about his life. The same principle applies to us if we're going to get back in the game from those devastating moments in life. Step two, live according to our convictions. Live according to our convictions. Conviction, simply stated, is a firm belief in something. Anything at all. Just a firm belief in something is your conviction. Every one of us has certain convictions. Each of us operates with a belief system in things that we deem to be true. When a defeat in life happens, it forces us to take a closer look at those things in which we believe. More often than not, we are out of the game because of the realization that life was not what we believed it to be, or greater yet, we were not who we thought we were. We have to face the fact that maybe our convictions, you know, our belief system, we have to face the fact that maybe that was actually wrong. As Christians, there are certain things that we should believe. God is an all-powerful, fully loving, perfect God. He cannot be in the presence of sin and darkness. We as humans are born dark and sinful. God sent Jesus as the way for us to be in his presence. Do you guys believe that this morning? Your conviction will always be shown true in your life. Usually during those times in which we suffer defeats. What have those defeats in your life shown you about what you really believe. When those defeats happen, how do you act? How, what do you say? How do you respond? That tells you what you truly believe and what your convictions really are. To get up off the mat or get off the sideline, we must refine our lives according to our convictions. It is the only way. Uh, we had a retreat or a, a youth camp a couple weeks ago. And one of the things I told the kids is faith, if it's really truly in our heart we're going to see it in action right what you believe inside is what we see outside I don't know what my teens believe but when I see their action I can see what they believe that's what our convictions do they show everybody else what we believe James 1 verses 5 through 8 but if anyone is deficient in wisdom he should ask God who gives to all generously and without reprimand and it will be given to him But he must ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, 
blown and tossed around by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, since he is double since he is a double minded individual, unstable in all of his ways. If you are questioning right now, today, what you should be believing, I want to challenge you to go to the source. God. He will make those things clear in your life which are unclear. God will remove all the false beliefs, all the lies, and he will replace them with the truths, not only about who he is, but more importantly about who you are. Live a life of conviction And you just might find yourself back in the game. Rhythm, balance, patience. That's what you need to stay in your game. The same with fly fishing. It takes a calm mindset, a focus on the field rather than the outcome. It takes emotional control. downfall. Well, he, he took the bait. Yeah, but why? What made him fall into that trap? Well, I'm not sure. Because he's hungry? No. He was mad. I teased him with the shadow casting, never quite letting the fly touch the water. So I was able to take that fish out of his game today. Now, you ready to give it a try? golf swing, you have to control your emotions. Okay? up, take it as it comes. Right? Easy, easy. Never fails.
got him, John. Hey, hey, hey. Good job, son. <laughs> For all you fishermen, I'm sure some of you have been there. <laughs> Johnny wants to te- teach Luke the value of being patient. And he uses this fly fishing example as a way to show him that. Luke realizes that being impatient in life can go a long way into setting ourselves up for defeat. Lack of patience, I think, is one of the modern or is one of the downfalls of modern man. We live in a I want it, I need it, must have it now society. I can't wait till tomorrow. I've got to have it today. Instant movies, right? We can stream them instantly. I can't wait till tomorrow to watch this movie. I've got to get it now. We do not understand the value in patiently waiting for the things in our life. We have lost sight of the lessons to be learned while being patient. The value of patience isn't the thing you get in the end. It's what you learn while you're being patient. And we've removed that because we're not patient any longer. We are willing to sacrifice patience for whatever the new it thing may be. That lack of patience then backfires and in a flash... We are knocked out of the game. Point three. Live life with patience. So I have a little test here this morning. And my question is, how patient are you? And before you answer that, let me dig a little bit deeper. Let's say the spouse and kids were getting ready for church this morning and you were ready to go. Did you just sit there quietly and wait for them to get ready? Or was there a little bit, hey, we got to move, get moving. What are you doing? I'm ready. Time's going. How about right now? How many of you are looking at your watches saying, I hope he gets done really soon? (laughs) That's just a little patience. Yeah, the two sound guys, of course, are. (laughs) Do you realize that patience used in this sense is a noun, not a verb? Patience is the ability or willingness to suppress restlessness when confronted with delay. That's what patience is. When you have the delay, patience in you says, I'm willing to wait for this delay. I'm willing to wait it out. I'm not going to get frustrated. I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to start screaming and yelling. I'm willing to suppress those feelings and wait it out. Being patient allows you to wait for a blessing rather than trying to create a false one. Patience is a gift of the Spirit, Galatians 5.23, and it is a part of this whole idea of self-control. Patience is a big part of that. Life becomes messy and begins to fall apart when we lose patience for life. Patience goes away and we try to make things happen according to our own schedule. Essentially, we get mad and take the bait, like he was talking about in this fishing example. It's dangling, it's dangling, we get mad and we take it. And then what happens is we get pulled out of life. To get our lives back into the game, patience is a necessity. James 5, verses 7 through 8. So be patient, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's return. Think of how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the ground and is patient for it until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient and strengthen your hearts, for the Lord's return is near. What if the farmer got impatient and just started picking all the stuff before it was ready? We wouldn't have anything to eat, right? But that's what we want to do in our lives. We want to pick all the fruit before God has it ripe and ready to go. Because I can't wait any longer, Lord, because you told me you'd bless me and I want that blessing now and I can't wait for that blessing. Patience is required to see God. 
We must understand that things will work according to his perfect timing, not ours. Having a spirit of patience in us allows us to wait for the right time to do what is necessary. Getting ahead of ourselves puts us ahead of God. Being ahead of God means that we are not following God. Not following God will lead to all the defeats we have in our life. Live a life of patience, wait on the Lord, and you just might find yourself back in the game. How many of you here this morning are living with some sort of bondage? You are sitting here feeling constricted by whatever reason, whatever life and whatever things have happened in life have you feeling constricted right now. Each reason is different for each person in here. I believe that some of that bondage in our life is because of a defeat that we have had in the past and we just keep on hanging on to it. We are still living with that defeat. We're still bound up by fear. We're still bound up by regret, still bound up by disappointment. And we've completely taken ourselves out of the game. Luke was in the same position as you guys find yourself this morning. Yes, sir. What? These ones in here quit making light. Well, it's because they know they're trapped. It makes their lights go out. What's it? Freedom's a powerful force. catch what she said there she goes they're trapped so it makes their light go out i think that's happening for a lot of you this morning you're trapped so your light has gone out freedom is a powerful thing it has caused many a death fighting for it it is something that is longed for when we don't have it and something that is taken and granted when we do being free is like that first gulp of fresh air when coming out of the water it is invigorating Freedom allows us to live as we were meant to live. Freedom can also be very fleeting. We can go from freedom to bondage as quickly as a bad decision, a wrong step, or a longing stare. The light of freedom is stifled by the darkness of our bondage. We keep ourselves in bondage or in the darkness when we live in the past or live outside from the convictions or if we just get in a hurry. The more we trap ourselves in that bondage, the darker our lives become and the harder it is to get back into the game. We must break open that jar and let the light out. Galatians 5.1 For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. I want to encourage anyone here this morning who has allowed some tragedy in life to take them out of the game to just look to Jesus. He is the answer. He has set you free. 
Stand firm on those promises. Get back in the game and let your light shine. I want you this morning right now to firmly believe with all your heart that God has taken care of the past. And that all he wants you to worry about is your present and your future. And I believe if you do that, I believe some of the pond, some of the bondage will start breaking free. And your light will start to shine forth. I believe God has brought us all here this morning to understand and get this last point. This is his handiwork, this message is. And I'm honored that he would use me to present it to you. This isn't something I came up with on my own. This is God. I am fully aware that each and every one of us has, have had some heart-wrenching defeats over the past few years. I understand that some of those things are not easily recovered from. And I'm not trying to say that they are. I get the fact that you are still licking your wounds. But I want to challenge you and tell you that it's time for you to decide what you're going to do next. Are you going to believe the lies that are, bespoke, that are being spoken into your life and stay on the sidelines or are you going to believe the truth of God's word? The choice is yours. You get to decide. That's the wonderful thing about God is he doesn't make you believe what he thinks about you. He lets you decide that. The final step in the process of getting back in the game, I think personally, is by far the most powerful and one that when you get a grip of will change your life forever. Point five, SFT, which stands for see God's face, feel God's presence, trust God's love. See God's face, feel God's presence, trust God's love. SFT is a simple but powerful statement. Nothing can get you back in the game like God can. Are you ready to let him do that this morning? Psalm 52, verse 8. But I am like a flourishing olive tree in the house of God. I continually trust in God's loyal love. I think a lot of things that are going on in our lives this morning are because we don't trust God's love. We understand it. We're told it every week when we come to church or small groups or we listen to worship music. But in our lives, we don't trust him. I think one of the hardest things for Christians to do is to trust the fact that God loves us. And that's different than knowing that God loves us. So you have to decide, am I going to trust the fact that he loves me? Sorry, Josh. I forgive you, son. It's gravy, Daddy. You'll soon see what you're going to say. Yeah. 
headstone. What do you want people to say about you when you're gone? Huh? Maybe they'll say you shot a, a 59. <laughs> uh-huh. Never thought of it like that. Maybe we'll just leave it blank for now. No, I mean, I wanted to say, I don't think that you're coming here was an accident. But only you can decide what to do from here on out. Because, I mean, nothing more can teach you, son. Thank you, Johnny. You thank me. Thank you. Because God is all around us. Inside of each of us, if you listen, there's a still small voice of truth leading us, talking to us, and telling you that you can see God's face. Feel his presence. Trust his love. Yeah. SFT. Eh? SFT. God bless you. Happy Easter. Inside this box is a pencil and two pieces of paper. One is for writing down all the truths you learned during your time here in Utopia. The truth that life is about faith, relationships, character, and integrity. That God has a purpose and calling for you that is much deeper than a little white ball falling into the cup. These truths will become your new heartbeat, the foundation of your new life. The other piece of paper is for writing down all the lies you've been told during your life. Lies like your golf score being a reflection of your true identity and self-worth. Or that failure in golf is failure in life. Take the truths with you, but bury the lies right here, right now. Once you have buried your lies, chisel your living epitaph. Today I found myself After searching all these years And the man that I saw He wasn't at all who 
his life changed in this moment you saw here this moment to him was bigger than that 14 that he got in that tournament this moment was bigger than his struggles this moment was pivotal to him getting back in the game and not in the game of golf but back in the game of life I believe the same can be said for some of you here this morning I believe that many of us have been buried by the lies that we have in our life. I believe those lies that we live bury us. And I think it's time that we bury those lies this morning. I'm going to end in prayer. And I have a visual thing and you have to just pray that it goes the way that the Lord wants it to go. But what I want you to do, I have a little bucket up here of sand and a little post-it note. If any time during the prayer or when the prayer is over, if you have a lie that you're tired of living by, I want you to come up, write it on this card, and just throw it in this thing. I'm, I'll bury it when it's all said and done. I'll throw dirt over it and bury those lies. I believe until you will not get off the sideline and back in the game until you can bury those lies that you're living by. Those lies that I have to be the most important, that I have to be the most liked, that I have to be this, that I have to be that. People expect this. Those are all lies. But God wants, you, God wants you to be the person he made you to be. That's what God wants. And until we are that, we can't participate in life the way he wants us to. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I want to thank you, Father, so much for this day. I thank you for these opportunities, Lord, that you give us to gather here in your house, surrounded by your presence, Father God. And your presence is a powerful one. For without it, we would have no chance on this world. And so, God, I ask right now that you move in the hearts and in the spirits of each and every one of us here, Father. I believe there are some here this morning that you brought here who are in bondage and who are tired of it. They want to let their light shine, but they don't know how, God. And I ask that you help them do that this morning. Father, bring to light the lies that they have been buried by in their lives. And these lies don't make them a bad person. It's just something that they've believed and they realize now that it's not true. And give them the confidence that when this is all said and done, to come write this lie down and throw it down and bury that lie. And live by the truth of your word. Father God, you tell us that we are more than conquerors. We don't live by life just skating by or or just holding on, but we conquer life because of you. And God, I believe that's what you want all of us to do this morning is you want us to go from this place and conquer life in your name. So Father, help us do that. Lord, I continue to pray for those who are in Haiti. I thank you so much for their heart and their willingness to serve and ask that you bless them in a mighty way through their experience 
And we can't wait to hear what you're doing there, God. And Father, I do pray for boldness for people this morning that I believe have to come up here and bury a lie and allow them to do that, Father God. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. We have three baskets here at New Life, guys. The first basket is our joy basket. Woo! That's right, we like to make noises here. The joy basket is, is, the Bible says God loves a joyful giver. That's what that basket is. Everything that goes in there goes to support the ministries here at New Life. God is doing some incredible things. And he, he takes your money and he multiplies it tenfold. And so if you feel like giving, that's what that's for. We have the bagel basket. I love it too. The bagel basket, everything that goes in there. Bagel stands for building a, a, a great life. And all that is, is everything that goes in that basket goes towards building repair. Right now, the next major project is going to be the parking lot. We want to pave our parking lot, get a covered drop-off. You know, right now, you don't know because it's, it's, it's baking hot outside. But the minute it rains, you understand why we want a new parking lot. And finally, we have the registration card basket. Uh, what you need to do on that is if you're not willing to come up here and bury your lie, that's okay. What I want you to do on the back of your card is write prayer requests. We love reading, we love reading those and praying with you guys. Praise reports. If God's doing anything in your life, please put that on there. And then the last one, if there's a lie that you need to bury, write it on the back of that card. And I'm going to take that. And when I take them later, I'll actually come and bury them for you. That way you don't have to worry about it. I know some people don't like coming up front to do that sort of thing. But please stand. You guys are dismissed. Thank you very much.